an unusual couple, you know. Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. What I mean is, we don't have an anniversary. Huh. Or a song. Or even wedding rings. Well, we could rather do that. Today could be our anniversary. Of what? Surviving our first dinner party? Precisely. And our song could be? Yakety yak, naturally. Naturally. And the rings? Well, couldn't you make some for us? I do. Do you? Yes, I do. And they lived happily ever after. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the MCU Diaries. It's a podcast dedicated to every Marvel Studio series on Disney Plus. So sit back, relax, and let's break down Earth's mightiest heroes. everybody welcome to the mcu diaries once again i'm your host blake larson now normally i do these podcasts with my wife my wife and i own a company called mary and blake media and uh this is my first attempt on doing a solo podcast and i'm very excited about it because i love the mcu i absolutely adore everything mcu kevin feige and all that has been come out of marvel studios so let me do this. The MCU Diaries is going to be um, various essays, uh, which I have written uh, out and which I have broken down each episode. In this particular case, it will be WandaVision, but it will be for every episode that Marvel Studios puts out on Disney+. Plus. We will break down theme, we will break down character, we will break down story, we will talk about a whole bunch of different connections to the MCU, and it will be a genuinely fun time breaking down and analyzing these stories for what they're worth in their gold of storytelling. Before we continue, though, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to myself. As you know, my name is Blake, and I love the MCU, as you already know again, but I consider myself a story expert, something that I love doing. If you ever have gotten a chance to listen to some of the other podcasts that my wife and I do, you know that we like to break them down. And my history with Marvel is long and it is wide and it is something that I have loved, uh, especially the comics since I was, you know, five, six years old. Uh, before I could really even understand them, I just loved the pictures. I taught myself how to draw and be artistic based off of the comics. I collected the cards. I collected the comic books. I collected the figurines. I'm a Marvel nerd. And that's not to say that you should be a Marvel nerd like me. In fact, you're probably not. And that's okay. That's the point of a podcast like this, where we get a chance to talk about these things and understand what's good and what the level of storytelling is and how they may relate to the comics and help inform each other about what the story is trying to say, whether it is for WandaVision or the as-of-yet-released Loki or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's all one giant world that we get to play in. And my 
memory of Marvel is, again, long and wide. In fact, my favorite character was Onslaught. So for you Marvel nerds out there, you know who Onslaught is. is, He was a a conjuring of uh, Magneto and Professor X and the, he has psionic abilities. And I, I still actually have the first edition onslaught that I bought when I was a kid. Uh, I know this is not Marvel related, but I actually still have too um, the first comic when Superman uh, spoiler alert dies. Uh, I remember I got it in fourth grade. I bought two copies, one that I could, uh, open and read and toss about, and one that was never to be opened, kept sealed, if you remember, in the black jacket uh, with the silver S on it. I still have both of those. All my other comics and all the other cards and action figurines I've somehow either lost or given away over the years, but I've kept those two comics just because they've stayed so close to my heart. So that is that. I have a lot of experience with Marvel. It doesn't mean that we're going to be delving into every single little minute detail that Marvel has to offer when it comes to the comic books as it relates to the MCU and the shows that Marvel Studios is producing, but we will dive in a little bit. But we're really going to try to keep the conversation localized to just the shows here. Uh, Well, I mean, also the films too, but we're going to try to keep it localized to the shows so we stay on topic. And as a reminder, we will be doing all of the shows that Disney and Mar- at the MCU, Marvel Studios, is putting out. So right now we're beginning with WandaVision. We will move on to Loki. We will move on to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We will move on to What If, She-Hulk, uh, Moon Knight. We will do all of them, but we're beginning with WandaVision. And what a way to begin, ladies and gents. WandaVision is spectacular. I right now am recording this. Oh, we're seven episodes in. We uh, Last week, uh, it's Wednesday right now, following uh, episode seven being released. So what I'm breaking down here was written when the first episode came out. Each and every podcast that I put out for the first seven episodes, at least, will have been written prior to. That doesn't make it any less valuable. It doesn't make it any less viable. It was just, I want you to understand that these were written as these episodes were coming out. And I will obviously add a little bit more commentary because I know more now. And also, something else that I really want to get across to you guys is that I want this to be uh, something that you engage with, something that you can talk to me about, and just have fun with. So whenever you want to get in touch with me, or if you want your comments or emails to be read on these airwaves, we are going to do that. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about Marvel as, as a bunch of nerds, <laughs> and in in only ways that nerds can really do so. So that brings me to my next point. If you do want to keep in touch with me, or you want to email me, or you want to talk about these shows, you can email me at maryandblakemedia at gmail.com. You can get in touch with myself and my wife, who was watching along with me, uh, through all the social media avenues too, whether it is Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. All of these episodes will be on all of these platforms, uh, but you can get in touch with uh, myself or my wife there 
at those platforms. I don't do TikTok. TikTok sucks. I'm out on TikTok. TikTok is ruining America, so I refuse to take part in it. <laughs> but we will do that. And of course, if this is the first time you're ever listening to something by myself or, or something from Mary and Blake Media, we do have tons of podcasts about all different kinds of shows and topics, whether it runs from Outlander to Bridgerton to Gilmore Girls, Game of Thrones. We're going to be doing The Last Kingdom very soon. We have so many different podcasts and places to go. Uh, and we also have a very special community at jointhenerdclan.com where you get tons of extra bonus podcasts and premium episodes that my wife and I do. And everything can be found at maryandblake.com. All the blogs, all of the podcasts, everything, maryandblake.com. And our special community is jointhenerdclan.com. And it's a great community. You don't want to miss out on all the great conversation and all the interaction that is happening there. So check that out when you get a chance. In the meantime, though, I think I think we should probably start breaking down WandaVision episode 101, filmed before a live studio, studio audience, shall we? So the premiere of WandaVision film before live studio audience was written by Jack Schaefer, who serves as the showrunner for WandaVision. She is actually quickly becoming, I think, a favorite of Marvel Studios as she has a story by credit for the new Black Widow movie that was supposed to come out last year in May and has obviously been pushed to later on this year. I think it's November when it's coming out, maybe December. Um, pushed later this year due to, you know, this little thing called COVID. <laughs> but yeah, she is the showrunner for WandaVision. She has written, or at least the story by for Black Widow. She's also done a couple other things too, uh, including uh, Timer, Mr. Stash, which is a, a short film. Uh, also, she did Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which was a short film, which actually appeared in front of the movie Coco uh, when that came out to uh, a lot of different uh, kind of reaction. And she also has written the movie The Hustle, uh, starring um, Anne Hathaway and, oh, what was her name? Oh, my goodness gracious. What is her name? Rebel Wilson. Thank you so much. All right. So, yes, th these are the writing credits that Jack Schaefer has. The It was directed by uh, Matt Shackman, who wow, has a lot of credits, a lot of extraordinary television credits. I mean, it dates all the way back here to 2002, uh, his credits. I will give you the most recent credits that he has, uh, at least the important ones. He has directed episodes of Brothers and Sisters, Ugly Betty, Hung, Weeds, Chuck, uh, The Good Guys, Breaking In, House, The New Girl, uh, Mad Men, Psych, Fargo, Revenge, Grace and Frankie on Netflix, uh, Heroes Reborn, which is the miniseries that came uh, that was the reboot of uh, of Heroes. Uh, he's also directed episodes of the Wor of You're the Worst, The Good Wife, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Game of Thrones, and of uh, two of my favorite shows right now, Billions and Succession, as well as The Great, which was on Amazon that has just recently come out. Uh, it's a that's a fun and funky show, so it is no question as to his tastes in television and his style in television. 
It's great style. He's been a, a great director, and I think he's a perfect choice for a weird, very weird show like WandaVision. So the, the premiere, like I said, filmed before a live studio audience was, in fact, shot before a live studio audience, before all the COVID stuff. Uh, and the show sets a, a very odd tone, um, one that when you look at it, I think y- you say to yourself, what? Like, what are we doing? And, and the, the, the happenstances, the plot things of the first episode, just they aren't really important. I mean, they are in the sense that you're watching it, but it's the show is not about the what, the plot, right? The what of the plot, so much as it is about the where and the why. Where are we and why are we? Those are the two questions you have to be asking yourself when you are watching WandaVision episode one. And I will tell you, I am here. (laughs) I am here for WandaVision, not because I'm an MCU honk, I am, but because what this show wants to do with itself. It wants to get weird. It wants to do funny things. It wants to put you in a place of not being at ease. It wants to test you. And that is excellent. WandaVision is a show with huge ideas on its brain. Well, I mean, that is if you, the viewer, watch it with the bigger picture in mind. So like I said earlier, I'm going to assume that you, the listener, you've watched the 23 films that comprise the MCU. And all of those films were produced by Marvel Studios. So in in other words, the films starting with Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man all the way through 23 films to Spider-Man Far From Home. And as I record this today, I'm very happy to announce the third Spider-Man film finally has a new title for real, and it is Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, we will be dealing in this podcast with mega spoilers, in, especially in this episode from the previous films and even possible future spoilers for the direction in which the MCU may he- head in, in future phases. So when it comes to WandaVision, I, I know, I get it. It is very easy to get lost in the minutia of the, all the Easter eggs, uh, all the things that are happening around the show. You, you are drawn to them. You want to know what every little Easter egg is, what it means, how it relates. And I, it's fun to get uh, caught up in all the callbacks to an older generation of TV, whether it be the Dick Van Dyke show or the Donna Reed show. Uh, and of course... <laughs> the incredible casting of uh, one American icon. That is Deborah Jo Rupp from that 70s show fame. Uh, she is she's amazing. I could watch her in, in anything. But as currently constituted, I would say that WandaVision begs you to get lost down the, the Google rabbit hole, if you will, of all the Marvel history in, in the comics and in the films and all of the Marvel adjacent properties uh, and you you can you can do it you can get go down that rabbit hole and get lost only to wake up the next day with a a, a splitting headache uh, and a, a year's worth of credit card debt and a missing tooth uh, like ed helms uh, in the hangover now of course while waking up in, with a tiger in the bathroom does sound appealing because this pandemic sucks and i will literally take anything to break up the monotony <laughs> 
I can't help but wonder this simple question. Why is WandaVision even a thing, right? I know I just said I loved it, and I and I do. I love it, and I really love it only because I've seen seven episodes of it so far. But I asked that question, WandaVision, why is it even a thing? Because what is the first episode doing? I mean, is it well made? Of course, it's it's awesome. And again, you know, as I said, I'm an apologist for all things Marvel Cinematic Universe. This can't be it, right? Uh, For those of you who are watching the show along with me, you've only watched the first episode, this can't be it. WandaVision simply can't just be a fun little throwback to a different age of television with some random Easter eggs to spice up the Marvel soup, right? When I watched the premiere of WandaVision, I I I took a deep breath and I looked over to my wife who was sitting on the other side of the couch. And again, she is a partner with me and Mary and Blake Media. She was laying down and I looked at her and I said, well, that happened. (laughs) What? Now, the first two episodes were released together, but my wife and I only watched the first episode. So disappointed, I climbed up my stairs and it was late at night. I brushed my teeth. I I put on my absurdly expensive sleeping mask and I tried to not question my allegiance to Marvel and Kevin Feige and wonder, oh my God, what are they doing? (laughs) What did I just step in? Right? Because this is the first experience that we've had with Marvel since Spider-Man Far From Home. This is our first jump back into it after a long delay from that film to this because of COVID. In fact, our first experience back in the MCU was supposed to be Black Widow. But because that has been pushed, this is our first jump back into it. I was was wondering, what is happening? What are we doing with this? It's just, it's very out of character for the MCU to go this weird, right? But then... (laughs) Then it all happened. It all came at once. My brain started spiraling down the black hole of all of the possibilities that I just talked about how I wanted to avoid. What is the significance of August 23rd, which was the date of the dinner between Wanda and Vision and, and, and Arthur Hart and his wife? What does the name Arthur Hart, yeah, like what does it even mean in the Marvel Universe? Is Agnes actually Agatha Harkness, which we now know? Well, we'll leave that as, we'll leave it as is just in case you haven't watched it yet. Why is there a sword logo on an old TV? Why are, why is there an old TV? Why are there fake credits? Who is watching that old TV? Why does Vision work at a company that does nothing more than just computational services? And, and speaking of that, why is everyone just cool with the idea of calling Vision Vision? What? How do you even reconcile that, right? What is the significance of the wine that they're drinking at dinner? And why is J- Deborah Joe Rupp skipping like a broken piece of vinyl? And who the hell is okay with Yakety Yak being their song? And I feel like now I'm missing a tooth. I feel like I'm Ed Helms and I'm missing a tooth. So after I went down this black hole and I couldn't go to sleep, I laid awake 
wide-eyed in my bed for hours on end with nothing but the mysteries, the shame of being an adult male wearing a sleeping mask, and Easter eggs from WandaVision just taking up residence in my inner consciousness. And I realized that WandaVision is very much like the greatest show ever created. Lost. Now, you may disagree with me that Lost is the greatest show ever, ever created. That's fine. But I maintain that it is. I loved Lost. Yes, because of the mysteries and because of all the fun things that it did, but because of the characters. And what I have come to realize is that WandaVision, even though this first episode doesn't have all the plot significance that the first episode of Lost had, the setup for the characters is there. Because after watching The Lost Pilot, which was directed by J.J. Abrams, uh, oddly enough, uh, we all know him from Star Wars and Star Trek fame, I found myself asking the same question as Dominic Monaghan's Charlie. Guys, where are we? That's right. Guys, where are we? Where are we? are we in terms of WandaVision? I was fascinated by the island in Lost, the monster, why the plane crashed, how the characters all related to each other, and so on. It was a great hook for a show that eventually evolved beyond the mysteries it posed in the premiere. But WandaVision, where are we? And why are we? In the end, WandaVision has to be about the characters and their respective journeys. While it's great to have the little mysteries sprinkled throughout the runtime, just like it was in Lost, for every answer we receive about whatever the latest mystery of the day is, the latest Easter egg of the day is, we will just have another question. More answers about these mysteries lead to more questions. And no matter what Jack Schaefer does as the showrunner, those answers will always be as satisfying as the empty calories from like, I don't know, a, host a hostess cake. I mean, it's great. I love hostess cupcakes. The swirls and all the other great stuff. The filling, awesome. But as good as it is in that moment, it's depressing and very, very hollow. Uh, two hours later when you're hungry again, and then you have to hit the scale the next morning. A show like WandaVision simply cannot subsist on Easter eggs and Twinkies. So when I talk about this episode, yes, it's about the characters, but the plot is not important. What actually happened in this episode? I mean, other than creating a set straight from the late 50s and early 60s, from the, that era of sitcoms, and again, shooting it in a traditional three-camera soundstage really in front of a live audience, which is amazing and how they pulled that all off. There is a fantastic little uh, vignette or uh, little mini documentary about how they shot this episode. So go to YouTube and look up WandaVision. You'll see it. And yes, they do absolutely give Wanda and Vision intentionally stiff lines that would put the likes of even Bewitched and leave it to Beaver to shame. You know, lines like, uh, my wife and her flying saucers and my husband and his indestructible head. What actually happened in this show? And, and, and my contention is nothing of real import, at least in terms of the story. And, and this is not bad. And in fact, 
I would argue that the show is actually teaching you how to watch it. Yes, sure, Vision saves his boss from choking on a steak, and Agnes does show up all creepy, almost like she's kind of in on whatever the hell is happening, and Wanda magics up some wedding bands out of nowhere. But like the sitcom conceit of this show, all of the goings-on in terms of the plot are just window dressing. I mean, how much do Wanda and Vision know what is going on? Are they being subjected to torture by sword? Are we, the viewers, a part of the story for Wanda and Vision, much in the same way that we are for Elliot and Mr. Robot? Are we, as Elliot's therapist says, the voyeurs who think they aren't a part of this despite being here for all of it? Are we participating as viewers in this show, in WandaVision, that we do for Mr. Robot? Or is Wanda in control of this entire existence within the framework of the sitcom? Are we part of the fractured reality after the very, very real death of Vision in Avengers Infinity War? This knowledge, the what, excuse me, not the what, the where and the why, not the Easter eggs, not Vision's indestructible head, or why there's a stark toaster that has a red breaking light, which also happens to make the sound of Iron Man's repulsors. The where and the why is the key to WandaVision, because that illuminates the who for our characters. Why are Wanda and Vision in this sitcom setting? And when is it written in relation to the events of Infinity War? My sense is that this takes place after Vision is murdered by Thanos and Thanos' subsequent snap that erases 50% of the universe. It's not confirmed as of this episode, but that is my guess. So why is all of this, all of the events of the first episode of WandaVision actually happening? I contend that the sitcom aspect of this show feels as if it's written by someone who has a vague memory of what those early Dick Van Dyke sh- and like Donna Reed shows used to be. Listen, I was a kid that grew up on those shows. I grew up on Donna Reed and Dick Van Dyke, Leave It to Beaver, Dobie Gillis, all of those shows because I watched Nick at Night, whether it was Taxi or... Uh, Mork and Mindy, all of those early shows I grew up on. I watched Nick at Night. My parents allowed me to have a television in my room when I was a kid. I don't know why. (laughs) As a parent myself now, I will never let that happen. But I have a vague recollection of what they used to be. The sitcom scenario is a conceit that feels like a safe space for someone who is looking for very little risk and uh, an extraordinarily happy ending. In this environment, there are the sitcom environment, there are little speed bumps that happen that, or at least occasionally happen to our main characters. But sure as hell, by the end of every episode, everything is tidied up in a nice little neat bow. When our leads can sit on their couch, point a TV remote toward the viewer and declare that they lived happily ever after, before, of course, the fake credits roll. The details 
in WandaVision. Why people refer to Vision by his name without any hesitancy. Why Vision works in a computational service company where no one really knows what the hell they're doing or for what purpose they're doing it. Why our couple just seem to be dropped into this world without any context or prior knowledge of the previous events. It it all feels like it's written by someone who has this base memory or a vague memory of what that kind of sitcom is supposed to be. There's no attention to detail. There's no, there's no specific reasoning for the jobs. There's no specific reasoning for all of these things that are happening around Wanda and Vision. They're just happening because that's what's happening. They're supposed to happen. And let me say, this is not a jab at showrunner Jack Schaefer. Oh, no, 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 no. Or even Matt Shackman as the director. In fact, this cognitive dissonance, this, this vague memory of what Donna Reed and Dick Van Dyke used to be, I think is very much intentional. And you have to really work hard to create a show like that. Because I, as a professional writer, you are wanting to get all these details. You are wanting to get all these motivations. You want to tell your story the way that it's supposed to be done. But to hold back, to hold back and ask the more of the viewer is expert level writing. No, I would say that this fictional setting is very much the creation of someone who was in universe or in world. And it's done for a very specific purpose that will eventually come to light, of course, within the context of the story that we are watching. My first simple guess is that this is this world is Wanda's creation. She created this reality based off her vague memory of what a sitcom world would be and the safety that sitcom world could potentially provide for her. Because despite how underwritten Wanda Maximoff has been in the MCU, if you have no experience with who Wanda is in the comics or in the MCU story, or at least in the Marvel stories, you need to know that Wanda, who is Scarlet Witch, is a fracking badass. (laughs) Wanda is no joke. She's very much like Jean Grey in the X-Men. She is very powerful. And the problem with Wanda is that she's not fully in control of her abilities. She doesn't even know her full potential, just like Jean Grey. And the only people within the MCU that has been created by Marvel Studios that can actually equal her in power, (sighs) Captain Marvel, maybe Vision. That's it. (laughs) Wanda is by far the most powerful one of the Avengers, and by far one of the most powerful beings in the MCU universe. Like Jean Grey, though, Wanda is very sensitive and unpredictable. So what does that mean? What is sensitive and unpredictable? Where is this going? What is the point? Is WandaVision a precursor to the MCU version of the House of M? Now, I know all you comic nerds just... (laughs) This is a pants-off moment for you. The House of M. Oh, my God, the House of M. Are they really going to do it? For those of you who don't know what the House of M is, there's a whole storyline called the House of M in the Marvel comic universe where Wanda's mind essentially breaks after she loses her two children and she loses control over her abilities and she she loses her brain, (laughs) 
And as a result of her breakdown, Wanda starts to rearrange the reality of the world around her, causing temporal rifts and a whole, deaths and a whole bunch of bad news. It was a massive story for Marvel Comics in the mid-2000s, and it rocked to the very core what most comic readers believed to be the strongest foundations of the Marvel world. Losing loved ones, rearranging reality. This actually all sounds very familiar. Yes, it does. Because you're watching it right now. The world that WandaVision inhabits in the sitcom aspect does not look fancy. It does not feel like the MCU. You have to look beyond it. What is the point? What is the where and what is the why? Why does this existence, the sitcom existence, exist? Because it's from Wanda. And what are the emotional undercurrents that help create this? So what is the big goal for uh, Marvel? What's the end goal? So let's let's take a moment here. <laughs> let's get out the nerd sweats, okay? Let's, 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 let's sweat it all out. Let's be some nerds together, shall we? Disney who owns Marvel, or at least Marvel Studios, and the MCU, just acquired the rights to all the properties once held by 20th Century Fox Studios. Meaning the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Blade, Deadpool, you know, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, Patrick Stewart's Professor X, all of those movies. They are now owned by Disney. And Disney has actually also done a deal to include all of the characters from Spider-Man, who is technically owned by Sony, Sony Pictures, which is why you're able to see Spider Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU films, including Spider-Man and Morbius and, and Venom. Uh, they're all now part of the, or at least they can be part of the MCU. The big takeaway is this. For years, characters such as, again, Professor X and let's say Iron Man could never be in the same film together because the rights to those characters were owned by separate movie studios that did not want to play nice with each other. With this new deal, that has all changed. And since Disney has made these deals mentioned before, the MCU now has the option to finally put all of these characters in the same pool to play together with the departures of people like Scarlett Johansson, well, eventually at least, after Black Widow, Paul Bettany, after WandaVision, Chris Evans, and of course, the, the, the big one, the big fish, Robert Downey Jr., Marvel Studios, they need some star power to fill the void. And they need a big story to take place after the massive success of the Infinity Stone star arc where Thanos snaps his fingers and we had 23 f- films building up to this point or 22 films building up to this point, Thanos is defeated. Some of our heroes have died or moved on. There is a huge gap to fill with both story and star power. Why am I mentioning all this? Because would introducing a story like the House of M, where Wanda actually becomes a major villain in WandaVision, could that WandaVision, by installing it in WandaVision, could that potentially help in, like, usher in all these new characters from 20th Century Fox and Sony in an organic fashion? 
there seems to be some evidence that would suggest yes, it could. The upcoming Doctor Strange film with Benedict Cumberbatch is actually entitled Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness. And it's being directed by Sam Raimi, by the way, of Spider-Man fame. And the Multiverse of Madness, it introduces the idea of multiple realities and versions and iterations of our MCU characters existing all in one setting. Meaning there are multiple versions of Iron Man and Captain America and even Wanda or Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange, because he has some Doctor Strange magic, is able to access all of those multiverses. In fact, there's even already proof that he can, because if you remember... In Avengers Infinity War, he was concentrating and saw that the Avengers could win only one outcome of a reality against Thanos. And he wouldn't say what it was, but that is the, pre- that is the beginning of the multiverse. Additionally, the next Spider-Man, which we talked about earlier in this episode, Doctor Strange is actually going to be playing, in Benedict Cumberbatch, a huge role in that film. It's going to be bananas. It will literally include characters from every Spider-Man film iteration. At least that's what's being reported as of this moment. Even those outside of the Marvel Studios produced MCU. Meaning, as of this moment, it's being reported that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland will all be in the same film together as Spider-Man. Never mind the fact that Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 and Jamie Foxx's Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they're going to be in the new Spider-Man 3. It's crazy. It's bananas that this film, what's coming. So every character from all different groups, all different production companies, and all different times can exist within the confines of this multiverse that Doctor Strange is going to be exploring. And it can all potentially, potentially be created by the events of WandaVision. As such, I mean, characters like Ian McKellen's Magneto, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, even uh, Mr. Fantastic, they could all potentially exist in the MCU, a world which they would never normally be a part This possibility thereby gives plenty of story for the MCU to keep going beyond the small box of its own characters, the Infinity storyline, and also rope in a whole world of talent to fill in the gap of Robert Downey Jr.'s departure. It's a huge, huge deal. I don't know how Marvel Studios is going to navigate that kind of departure. (laughs) <laughs> he was the progenitor of the whole thing. The, the The entire MCU essentially rides on his charisma alone. Here's another thought that could absolutely bake your noodle. The multiverse evens open up an opportunity for characters who left the MCU, like Vision, soon, Captain America, or yes, even Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, to return for the MCU for special storylines. And it's actually already being reported. It's being reported that Chris Evans will be coming back in a very small role in an upcoming film. Will it be part of the multiverse? We don't know yet, but it's being reported. And it's possible to happen because these would be just different versions of themselves that exist in other multiverses. The Russo brothers already confirmed that the old 
Captain America we see at the end of Avengers Endgame is from a different multiverse. It's from a different reality. He went to a different reality, stayed there, lived his life, came back to this reality, and that's that. The Russo brothers already, who directed it, confirmed it, and they confirmed it the other day. So it's all building this momentum, and that momentum is started by here. This is a really, really, really big deal. A big deal which could all be started by WandaVision, a little show that starts off as a sitcom. Could the reality of WandaVision be a world created by Wanda in in, in response to protect herself from the heartbreaking loss of Vision, which will eventually lead to a catastrophic breakdown of reality for the larger Marvel world as we know it? I guess that just leaves me with one last question. Guys, where are we? So thank you for joining me on this first episode of the MCU Diaries. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and hopefully this can cause some good conversation and good breakdown of what WandaVision means to not only you, but to the MCU and all of us as a Marvel dork community, what we all interpret it to be. Of course, go to maryandblake.com to check out this podcast, as well as the written version of what we just talked about. You can find it there at the MCU Diaries, the blog version. And you can find all of my episodes and all of my blogs there, in addition to all of the other podcasts that we do, whether it is Outlander or Game of Thrones or Gilmore Girls. The list goes on forever. I mean, for days. (laughs) It doesn't end. And it is usually done by myself uh, and my wife. And we have some other things happening to it. Join the nerdclan.com, bonus episodes, premium podcasts, uh, the, the incredibly cool community that we have going on over there. You don't want to miss out on that. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this and enjoying the Marvel with me. We'll see what happens for the next episode. I hope to get all these actually all published all at the same time. You may be listening to this as uh, an introduction, but there is plenty more to come. So thank you so much. We'll see you next episode.